0: Welcome to the due diligence podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with micro management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on. That's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. My guest on the show today is Jeff Trayman. He's the executive chairman of Audia Inc. Publicly traded company, the symbol is AUUD on NASDAQ. Audia is focused on reinventing how consumers engage with audio through the development of a proprietary AI platform for audio and technologies for podcasts. Audia offers two industry-firsts, the ability to listen to any AM, FM radio station with added personalized content and no commercials, as well as podcasts with an interactive digital feed that supports deeper stories and delivers digital revenue to podcasters. As a podcaster myself, I'm always interested in learning about new technologies that could benefit our audience's listening experience, so I was interested in diving deeper with Jeff about the fader and vodcast applications, reactions to the applications so far and the marketing plan to reach critical mass, the barriers to entry from other larger audio streamers. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Jeff Trayman, Executive Chairman of Audia, Inc. Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and joining me today is Jeff Trayman. He is the Executive Chairman of Audia, Inc., publicly traded company. The symbol is AUUD on NASDAQ. And just so happens, they happen to be a a constituent uh, on our index, the Microcap Review Index uh, for Q2 2022. And with that, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for for having me. It's great to have you on. So we actually did an interview not that long ago, uh, one of our short-form CEO video interviews that we uh, traditionally do. Um, but we're we're gonna dig. I wanted to dig into the story a bit more because, uh, hey, you're on a podcast. I host all these big podcast networks, so I wanted to understand, you know, the Fader app and the Vodacast app a bit more. But before we get into all of that, what what do, if you could explain what does the company do in one sentence, that one liner?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're essentially a technology company. So, uh, you know, we're a technology company focusing on really reinventing how consumers can engage with audio, all forms of audio. Uh, but our initial focus is really on on broadcast radio and podcasting.
0: Very good. Now, what, what was the original problem that audio was trying to solve and, and how has that evolved or changed over time?
1: You know, the, the original problem goes back a long ways all the way back to 2011. And, and the company at the time was called Clip Interactive. And uh, the original problem we were trying to solve back then, it dealt with radio, but it was more along the lines of uh, how do you interact with, with, with radio if you hear something on the radio that you want to attend to? So specifically, I was driving down the road in my car and I heard an ad on the radio for an Ice Capades event. It was a Christmas show that I was going to bring my girls to, and I never went. And I was thinking about that a month later, and I thought to myself, you know, uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool if I could just Shazam that, that, that show, have the tickets show up, buy the tickets, go to the show, show on my phone, and be done with it. And uh, so we looked at that, and at the time, we thought it would be a really cool way for radio to really sell songs, to, to give attribution to their advertisers and that sort of thing. So that's the, that's the product we built first.
0: Before we get into diving a little bit deeper on the product itself and, and how it now evolved into what it is today, you know, what was your background prior to founding Audio?
1: Yeah, so my background was a little unusual. Um, you know, I come to the space, you know, when I describe my background, I talk about being a serial entrepreneur and an inventor. You know, I've taken a number of companies uh, from zero to exit, uh, all in the healthcare space. And, you know, I'm the named inventor on something north of 130 patents, you know, issued or or, or pending throughout, you know, both in the U.S. and internationally. So I just kind of come up with ideas and I spin up companies around those. But what I was doing before this was I was actually in medicine and uh, I was a neurosurgeon and uh, I had invented a new way to help fuse the spine together, built a big company out of that. And that got me out of the neurosurgery space because the government has some rules and regulations about having an ownership position in a private company where you can use those products on your patients. So that kind of got me out. And, you know, like I said, just came up with the idea while I was driving down the road and, you know, off I went with saying, hey, I'm going to build a company around this.
0: Very good. All right. Let's dig into the business uh, a a bit further. We have the Fader app spelled F-A-I-D-R and Vodacast. Uh, application as well. So let, let's start with the a description of the Fader app. What what does it do? How does it work?
1: Yeah, Fader is an is a AI based uh, platform, and essentially what's what we what we give the consumer with that is the ability to listen to any AM refer- FM radio station in a personalized manner. Right today, if you tune into any station, or since the beginning of time, since you tune in, if you tune into any AM FM radio station. You get what they give you. And there's no way around it. You know, you can change stations, but you're stuck with it. And what and you know, one of the things that's one of the things that they do is they provide frequent interruptions. And if you look at ads in particular, it's about 16 minutes per hour of ads uh, on a radio station on average. So what we do is we're kind of taking, you know, you know, and, and one thing about radio that they do have that nobody else has is local content. Right so that's really the big staying power there no other platform has that so what we do is we essentially take that platform that is still very popular you know 250 million people still listening every month we give them a we give them a way to deliver their content in a personalized manner to consumers so the consumer has a choice over what they're hearing they can skip stuff they don't want to hear they can cover commercials with other content so we give them that that capability and they can then get access to subscription revenue. So that's really the big thats the big consumer value proposition is get this app. You'll get every radio station that's available out there. You can listen to it in a customized manner, skip stuff that you don't like, never hear another commercial if you don't want. And then we provide all these other different content choices that you can pull in, which some of those can be super interesting, especially when it comes to new music discovery and, and new artists in, the, in a local environment. Got it. And then on the other side, you know, what's, what's incentivizing
0: the AM, FM radio stations to want to now be on the audio platform?
1: Well, I mean, you look at their ad revenue overall, you know, from their peak back before there was fragmentation of media, you know, it used to be uh, TV, print and radio. And they got all the ad dollars. Right. And then digital came about and then all of media fragmented into all these different you know, things that are out there and advertisers are trying to reach everybody. So they got to sprinkle it all around. So you look at the the heyday of radio running about $25 billion a year in ad revenue and now running, you know, now running somewhere in the $15 billion range. It's a huge hit. And you look at the number of people that have, that are, that are looking at audio subscriptions. There's about, there's about 141 million people spending about $14 billion a year on audio subscriptions. And radio gets absolutely zero of that. They don't have the ability. So we bring them into that subscription world. Subscription revenue is way better than ad revenue. It's reliable. It's monthly. There's no sales cost to going out and get it, getting it. Um, and for the way we model this out, because we share a lot of revenue with the broadcasters, if they're going to participate on the platform, they can make more money per subscriber than they can on the ad model. So on the ad model, they average about four seventy five or so per month, you know, for every listener. And on the subscription side, you know, our premium subscription we believe is going to support an eleven ninety nine price point, and we share that with them. They can almost double the amount they get uh, for everybody that just flips over to this premium environment. Got it. And how come they haven't thought of doing this
0: themselves before? Right? You would you would think that like a K rock here in L A would. You know, that's a huge brand or I mean, it's not just L.A., just nationally. Like, why haven't they thought to do
1: something like this already? Yeah, well, now you get into the now, now you get, really get into the weeds of music licensing and rights and that sort of thing. So when 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 radio plays a song over the over the radio, um, they don't pay the artist or the label anything. Right. There's no payment. They have now they have to pay the the, the publisher and the songwriter but uh, they don't pay the the artist or the label anything. So that's a very lucrative model for them, right? If you look at Spotify and Pandora and SXM and all the competitors, they all have to pay a fairly significant amount for that. And one of the reasons radio doesn't have to pay is because it's it's freely available uh, and they're able to uh, drive a lot of discovery for the artists, right? Still today, the number one thing the artists want is, hey, spin me on radio because that's how I'm going to really get into the mainstream, so so you have that you 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 have that really lucrative model there on the music side. Now, when they stream their station, as long as they don't change it around, they can stream under a statutory rate in the copyright law, and that's the same rate that Pandora uses on their free model or Spotify uses on their free model. It's um, it's fairly it's, it's a fairly reasonable payment, so you can still make money as a service on that. But not nearly the amount of money you're going to make on the broadcast uh, advertising side. So, radio doesn't have a really a super strong interest in streaming over there. So then, if they want to go get the subscription revenue, which is what makes this lucrative they lose access to those statutory rates. Now they need direct contracts with the music industry, just like Spotify and everybody else has. And I mean, look how big Spotify is, and they can't make any money. And they probably never will consistently uh, unless they get more and more podcasts listening, but they never will on the music side because as they make more money, the music industry just raises the rates they have to pay on those direct contracts, right? So radio wouldn't be able to get access to that those statutory rates, and then they would lose a ton of money if they did this, so it really doesn't work for them. They need a third party uh, to be in the middle of this, and then they need to be able to, you know, participate in the subscription that way. So that's why that's why we built it the way we did.
0: Interesting. So I mean, does audio face any of that statutory rate risk as, res- or or because you're the third party?
1: The yeah, you yeah. had You lose that if you're what, what's called the transmitting entity. Like if we were broadcasting these stations out there and being the transmitting entity beyond, behind the content, that would be a problem. But that's not what we do. You know, when when somebody downloads our app, they're essentially downloading what in on the video world is equivalent to a DVR, right? They're downloading a digital audio recorder. So when they select a station on their app, that's essentially the the user selecting what station they want to record. So they're recording that on the phone and we've shrunk our AI model down to operate on their phone as well. So that's kind of like technology built within the DVR, right? To process out commercials. So that's what they're able to do. They can sit there and listen to the recording with our AI. They can identify the content that they don't want to listen to. And then when they do that, we, we are able to switch them to other content. Now that other content might be music. And we, audio might have to be streaming that to them. But we have our own licenses and our own statutory uh, rates that can go through that to provide that music that we pay out.
0: I see. Uh, so you're already working with um, some of the, 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 I guess, what is it, the labels and all that stuff to, to try to make sure that you're covered there? Because
1: Exactly right. We have all the licenses to do all of that stuff uh, for the part that we do. Got it. When was When was Fader launched? It was fairly recently, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we've been in the marketplace with what we call the Audio app, which was a predecessor, just trialing it out with some, with some broadcasters uh, for about six months you know, from last year. And then in Feb- on February 15th, we launched Fader uh, with about 4,500 stations on the platform. Only the music stations are what we call Fader enabled right now. They have all this capability. Uh, we're not the, not yet there uh, on the, the news talk sports algorithm. So the AI, it's easier to identify the difference between music and a commercial and, and a talk. It's a little bit different to identify talk from commercials. And we have a lot of music data. That's where we started. Then we started with a lot of commercial data. We're still in the process of acquiring more talk data to get that algorithm to the point where we want it. Got it.
0: And... Uh, what's been some of the initial reactions thus far um, since since the the relaunch I guess you'd say under the fader label
1: yeah this is this starts to get into the uh, into the depths of things that uh, you know are somewhat proprietary right now uh, just because we have to give it some time to be able to report out the results and I can tell you our investor base is basically looking at they're all geared up to say okay what are the results so we put out guidance that we would release our first results on how the the launch was going at about three months after um, the February fifteenth launch, so we're looking about mid May uh, for that. And what we were doing is it, it's it's not a huge nation. It, I mean, it's a huge nationwide launch, meaning that anybody can get the app. But from a marketing perspective, we have a limited spend. We're spending about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. We're trying to drive about ten thousand MAUs on that and fifty thousand you know installs. So so we're trying to get that that cost per install down into the $5 range and there's some there's some learnings that you have to go through on the digital spend and how you then layer in additional spend on top of that to really maximize those efficiencies so we're going through that process but those are the targets we're looking at looking to get and we did put out you know results after we ran a small campaign up in Sonoma County with the uh, the radio stations that were local there, it was with the broadcasters in partnership with them, where they were going on air and saying, "Hey, you can get this, you can get this product, and listen to our stations in a premium environment." We weren't charging anything, but what we learned there is that we were seeing really good cost, you know, to install rates. And what we want to do is replicate that on a national basis and see if we could improve on that with the uh, having more stations in on fader. So uh, we'll be putting those results out. Uh, you know, on the 15th of May, or perhaps earlier, if uh, if if we see something we like, got it. So, how does how does Fader
0: compare to like I'd say your closest competitor is probably what Sirius would you say? Is Sirius the
1: closest cop? Yeah, I mean, Sirius is one. I mean, we, we, look at two, we look at two groups of categories as competitors one is the other radio station streaming aggregators, right? And that would be like iHeart, that would be TuneIn. That would be Odyssey. Um, and then you have us, really. And the, big, the, big, the, the advantage we have with that is we're the only ones that have every radio station out there, right? Others, you have to be permissioned to be on those platforms. Since we're not really putting any radio stations on the platform, all we have is a directory listing all the public URLs that are out there. It's the consumer that's selecting those, right? So we can have any station on there and that's and that's what we do so we're the first aggregator to have every to have the full dial replicated and then the other big advantage we 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 provide is is that and this is this is because how it's architected right where you're actually recording it and listening back in a slight delay uh, you know a couple of, you know a minute or two you know behind what, what's what's on the stream by doing that we give you all this control and those guys none of those guys have any of that control so that's really where we where we position ourselves on the aggregators then you have the music players, right? That's the Spotify, the Apple Music, you know, Amazon, whatever. And they kind of, they're just really playlists, right? You get in there, you build your playlists. There's no local content. It's not really radio. Um, we consider them competitors just because they're in the music space, but there's no real head-to-head there. The big advantage we have over them, we believe, is access to that local content that you want. And uh, that's where we sit there. And then SiriusXM, of course, is... I put them more like the music players. It's radio, but it's national. There's no local flavor there. So uh, we're like Sirius XM for local radio stations, really.
0: You know, it's interesting that you, this take on, on local, because I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons podcast. And one thing that they've done at, at Spotify is that I thought has been interesting. They they They've been starting to open up more. Um, local podcasts that cover the local markets, like New York, New York, with John Jastrzemski, uh, Jastrzemski. uh Just, just I can't say it. I'm like fighting a cold. But, yeah. but, but you know. You, but uh, they also have a Chicago one as well. So it's interesting that that you're. I mean, was that some of the thought process where there's been folks that are living in LA but they're from New York and you know they want to get access to some of those local stations. I mean, I know some of the other platforms do that already, but it's kind of interesting that you kind of, it seems like you saw that trend going.
1: Well, it's just a matter of, you look, you look for what, I mean, what's mo- most relevant to you? You know, the, the, the information that's most relevant to you is local information. And you can't get it anywhere on any of the, any of the streaming platforms. You know, if you listen to Spotify, and you want to know about what local bands are starting to move in Boulder and Denver and starting to pick up. I mean, who knows that information? It's the DJs. At the stations, they know them, they're bringing them into the studio, they're talking to them, they can do all these capabilities. And we're providing, you know, an, an avenue to get that local stuff um, much better. And that applies to everything. It applies to, you know, if there's a big fire out here in Boulder, I mean, you're going to listen to radio. You want to know what's going on. Nobody else has it. It's not, and there's no podcast that's going to be, oh, let me go get the local Boulder Fire podcast, right? It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, But podcasting is encroaching on this right? And they are starting to get there. So this is the first local competition that radio is seeing. And local, in my mind, is radio's last stand. It's the last thing that they have. So you know, we're providing a platform where they can showcase that local stuff. They can put in more local bonus content because we got to try to cover 16 hours or 16 minutes of ads per hour with something. And that something can be premium local content if the radio really gets, gets behind it and does it but podcasters are going to have that opportunity to get in there too because the consumer selects if you like that local new york new york show and that's what you want you can select that regardless of what the radio station is going to be putting out there
0: absolutely does it grind your gears when people tell you or like hey man i thought radio was dead you know this is gone who listens to radio anymore you know, yeah. what, what do you say back to folks like, I guess me, I'm, I'm trying to pretend like I'm other people saying that to you, but yeah. let's say I just said that to you, like I just did a second ago. <laughs>
1: well, well, to me, it's just about the data, right? I mean, people have all kinds of opinions, right? And, and you know, they are what they are, but, it's, uh, but the data tells the story. And if you look at time spent listening on audio, all platforms, all takers, radio dominates. And you can talk about, hey, well, yeah, it's really hard to reach, you know, the 18-year-old or the whatever that's it's it's running around on Instagram and TikTok and whatever. And that's true, and that's always going to be true. But 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 that 18-year-old at some point is gonna be a 30-year-old and they're gonna have a job and they're not gonna be running around on Instagram and taking pictures of themselves and putting uni- unicorns on their forehead, right? So this is not gonna happen. They're gonna they're gonna be living more of a life where. They gravitate into that and they're going to have to, they're going to want somebody to help curate some of that stuff. And there's going to be less time to do those sort of things. So people go through the funnel. And, you know, one of the really interesting things about radio, again, back to the data. And we saw this with our first product where we had 1.6 million monthly active radio listeners on the platform. And we looked at the demographic of those 1.6 million. It exactly matched the demographic in the United States. It wasn't like it was. You know, a bunch of the 65 plus sitting there on radio, we had everybody. And I look at my own kids, right? I don't pay for my kids to have subscriptions. They want a subscription. They got to pay for it themselves. They all listen to radio.
0: Absolutely. So you last question on the Fader app, because I do want to get to Vodacast uh, in a second, but you mentioned a little bit about the go-to-market strategy, um, what's, what's that critical mass that you're hoping to get to? If you, if you can tell us, you know, what's that critical mass you're hoping to get to where then you're starting, you're going to open up the subscribe, because I'm guessing it's pre-rev right now. Right. So,
1: yeah. right. It's and, we're, and we're, we're going to convert that over to figuring out who will move over to the subscription. Right. And we have our aspirational goals on subscription pricing of 1199 at the premium tier and 599 at the step down tier. And then we're going to have the free tier. So we don't really have a critical mass. What we look for is conversion rates. And with conversion rates, we can then model what happens you know, with with volume and we can also model what it's going to cost us to drive that revenue. So that's really what we're focused on, right? So step one is what's the cost per install? Can we get that down to a reasonable number? And does is that indicative of the message resonating with consumers? I think we've already said we're doing very well there. Right. We put that out in Sonoma, the message resonates, um, and we hope to be able to support that with the results that we put out with our with our fader launch. Right, So people will be looking for that information. From there, we're then going to look at, okay, now we can get people on the platform. What does it take to convert them over to a subscriber? Do we need additional features? Do we need additional content? What's the price point or the discounts that we want to offer in the beginning until we get the product up to where? Uh, we want it to be. For instance, News Talk Sports right now is not Fader enabled. We definitely want to have that in place before we start even contemplating going after premium subscription numbers. So then you got to play around with all of that and you got to dial it in. But over the next few months, we're going to know what is the cost to drive an install? What is the cost to take an install to a subscription? What can we What can we reasonably expect to get on revenue on those subscriptions? And then from there, we can say, hey, We invest, you know, $10 million in marketing and we're going to drive, you know, $3 million in monthly recurring revenue or whatever it is. You know, that's where, that's where we want to get because that then dictates everything. Absolutely. All right.
0: I now want to transition to uh, the other app under the audio platform of Vodacast. Can you describe the app uh, for those that aren't familiar with it and and the problem that's looking to solve
1: there? Yeah, Vodacast is, you know, it just, it's, it's a player. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a just a, a podcast player to start with. So, and there's a lot of players out there, but we're looking to differentiate. So, the big differentiators we're bringing to the table are one is an interactive digital feed that's on the platform. And that's, that essentially is video, text, images that correlate with what the podcaster might be talking about. So a lot of times the podcasters are doing research about their shows and they're finding information. They got no place really to put it. And we have this piece of software, it's called the hub. So when they're doing their research, if they're doing it all through the hub, they can just simply with the web browser, click on things and it goes directly into the feed and all this content then becomes available uh, to the listener. And if you can drive eyeballs to that feed, you can drive digital revenue dollars. And that's really what we're trying to bring to the table with that product because podcasters right now only can make money with the audio ads. And there's very limited inventory for that. So if you can create a separate digital channel and drive eyeballs there, that becomes important, Uh, not only for revenue, but it also starts to create this interactive capability, which we can talk about in, in a little bit too. But that's the number one thing we're bringing. And then the second thing is micropayments. So people can then, you, there, there's, there's plenty of subscription paywalls out there. There's plenty of tip jars and donation platforms that people can have. And we're going to include those too. So we're going to have everything available for podcasters uh, to monetize. But the unique ones are going to be this digital feed revenue and the, uh, these micropayments. So that is somebody who may not be a subscriber, is never going to subscribe. They're not going to pay a subscription. But for today, they want to listen to this particular podcast Uh, episode and they want to listen without ads, you just hit that icon, you pay 25 cents and you consume it without ads. And a 25% payment is about, you know, 5X over what you would get on a CPM when you play play that out. Got it. So How, how would you say Vodacast? So do you
0: have IP protecting Vodacast? Because the one thing that whenever, like as a podcaster, when I think about it, you know, I I, I get it. Like from my end, I can now customize my own page. It's right when I set it up, I could customize it, put, you know, other images, maybe. Some, I, I host a video and audio podcast, so I'd be able to put both the, the video maybe and the audio version. Right. Right. Um, so do you have some IP protecting this whole this whole? formula here? Because I, I would assume that I'm sure, you know, the Spotify's of the world and some of these other podcast streamers are, are would want to look at this because they understand that there is, you know, uh, some of the opportunities that you spoke about.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the product that we originally built for radio, was based on creating an interactive digital content feed for everything that you heard on air, and we filed a number of patents around that platform. So we're doing sort of the same thing here. So those that IP, you know, we haven't analyzed it to how well it it it, it covers that, but a lot of the core stuff that we were doing there would probably be implicated on those on those patents uh, for what we're doing on the Vodacast side uh, as well, but. You know, even without that, there is a first mover advantage type of thing to to be out there. And we're also looking to build all of our capabilities as tools. So you see a lot of subscription platforms that are built. And then anybody, any podcasting platform can pick those up. We are going to make, you know, out through SDKs or APIs we're going to make ours integratable into Apple. If they want to put this this feed on there, it can be there. If Spotify wants to put the feed on there, it can be there. That becomes more of a SaaS play uh, that they can that they can use. And the reason you want consistency there is you want one feed that the podcaster can develop that then is going to export to all the different platforms. Otherwise, it's just going to be torture for the for the podcaster, right? You're not going to build a feed for the Spotify. Platform another feed for the Apple platform it gets unwieldy, so what we're, we're trying to do is kind of be a, a de facto standard that can get distributed out to all of those platforms so your full audience can see it when you make one feed and that's really a first mover advantage. Absolutely, and
0: so what's been the response thus far with Vodacast? Because this this I from what I what I looked up it was launched
1: in 2020, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been, on the, it's been on the app store a long time. It was on, it was on the app store a long time just because our uh, tech team um, didn't like the other players. That they're all big f- podcast fans. So they, they built this, and they were all using it as their listening app for podcasts. We were, at, back in 2020, we were still working our way towards getting financing. Um, we were originally supposed to do our IPO the month that the country went into lockdown on COVID, so we were in a in a kind of an emergency situation we couldn't really do anything new. So we were just playing around with stuff, and the guys built that, and we've had it we had it on there for a while. We really didn't start putting marketing dollars uh, behind Vodacast until recently. It's very similar to what we're doing with Fader, uh, but there we're spending about one hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, again, trying to drive close to fifty thousand uh, downloads and about hundred thousand MAUs, and we're using both. You know, both Fader the ten thousand. MAUs there and the 10,000 MAUs on Vodacast as a test site, you know, a test bed to really then see how are people using the app. So the big things we want to know with Vodacast are how much are people going to that, to that digital feed when it's available? And we've put out numbers already on that, which are super strong, right? 95% of the, of the people that go to a podcast that has an interactive feed are going to the feed. They're consuming the content. 30% are consuming more than 50% of that content. So that's highly monetizable digital revenue, you know, with that kind of user activity. So we're seeing that there. We, But that was done when we had about, you know, 1,800 downloads, I think. And we're looking to see that, you know, carry forward with 50,000 downloads and 10,000 MAUs, you know, looking at that and then layering into micropayment capability and seeing how, how uh, people use that as well. Sure. And one,
0: one last question on the vodka side. What what's been the response from the content creator, the podcaster community? You know, how do, do you just are you do you just bring all their stuff on there or do they have to go through a whole process to now create their their page?
1: Yeah, no, I mean we help them at first. I mean, eventually we hope that they'll be using the hub to create that interactive digital feed. We have some podcasters where their fan base is really interested in doing this, and they get recognition for finding cool content and put it in there. They get the podcast a little early, you know, to get in there and they feel like they're part of the team. So we have we have some of that going on, but the podcaster the podcaster uh, reception is really solid. But we need to get we need to get more users right on the platform. That's that's the big thing. So we're so that's why we're kind of still in a test environment to get those ten thousand MEUs, and that becomes a test bed for all these little capabilities, but the podcasters love all the tools we're coming up with. So when you start talking about interactivity in the digital feed, it starts leading into other things. Like we have talkback features where the podcaster can set up like a clubhouse type conversation and other members can join that. So this interactivity starts creating a little bit of a social capability, because then you can start following other people in the community that might be listening to your podcast. If you like what they have to say, you can follow them, you can discover other podcasts, you can have social conversations about what you're putting out there. So it's it's creating all of this capability. And then we also allow them to bring in what we call a brand page. So for anything that they have on their websites, their videos, their social posts, anything can be an all in one space. So they create they carve out their own kind of brand within the Vodacast platform for all that interactivity with their fans, for all the monetization capabilities, and for all that social stuff. So that's where we're that's where we're going with it for them. Got it. All right. So
0: my next question for you, you know, we really we went through both the platforms, you know, the the technology underneath from Audia. <laughs> but what do investors maybe still get confused or misunderstand? When after they just did that, their half hour one-on-one, like we just did, uh, understanding the platform and where you're going, what, what are still kind of the missing link for them?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when I talk to most to, to investors, they tend to either focus on on Fader or Vodacast, honestly. And we, you know, if you have 30 minutes, we wind up talking about one, you know, and, and, and focusing our, our time on that. But when I, when I look at the overall Fader concept and what we're doing there, And this just doesn't go with investors. I think this goes with anybody following our story, including analysts. I don't think people understand the magnitude of what we're doing. They don't understand that radio is still the dominant audio listening platform, right? They they are the 800 pound gorilla in audio, and everybody has discounted them. They've just forgotten about and said, "Hey, they're just going to be sitting there broadcasting into oblivion." Well, technology platforms are going to come in and recognize that opportunity, and they're going to give that 800-pound gorilla, an opportunity to play in the space at the same level that these other players are playing in the space, right? With personalization, with subscription, with a premium listening environment, with additional content. So I think that's what's underappreciated. The fact that we're bringing these guys to the table, and that's where I think the potential opportunity is. As soon as we get that data out there and we're able to show that consumers like this, if you're an analyst following any of those other platforms, you're going to have to know our story and you're going to have to follow it. And I think that's, that's the big differential uh, between what people see with us now and what they're going to see uh, from us as soon as we are able to make a little bit more inroads. Got it. You know, it's been a, it's been a
0: difficult run for, for kind of growth ideas growth stocks right now. I mean, what's what's been that experience like for you in talking with investors where, you know, you're seeing some of these main big streamers, you know, take you're seeing some dips, um, and probably understanding what you're up against too, and you know, still pre-rev growing, trying to get, you know, what what are some of those conversations like right now and and how how do, how do you
1: handle it? Listen, there's still a lot of interest in our in our stock and what we're doing. And uh, you know, sure. so when I had the when I have the investor meetings, I go to the investor meetings. I mean, my schedule is typically booked out, and I very rarely have a meeting where somebody's like, "Okay, this is a stupid idea. I don't know. Why, I don't know why you're trying to do this." Everybody seems to come away with an aha moment, like, "Okay, this is interesting. I'm going to be watching the data that's that's, that's coming out." So that's really that's really what we're what we're looking to do. We focus on executing and getting that data out there and telling the investors what data they should be looking for because it's the same data that we're looking for, right? And yeah. And uh, and that's gonna, that's gonna tell the story.
0: Jeff, you're back in
1: your clinical trials days, man. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's
0: what it is. You're having you're, having, you're having flashbacks to it right now.
1: Stakes are a little different from the from the human side, but uh
0: <laughs> this yeah this is this is a lot lower stakes for sure. You know, so you're like, all right, there's human trials and then there's you know AM/FM radio and podcast, you know, subscriptions. Like, yeah,
1: a, a, exactly. Still a big deal for investors. Still big <laughs> course, opportunities, yeah. and uh, and that's why we're here. You know, it's exciting, and um, we think we're doing something new. That's what I like to do. I like to focus. You know, I'm not interested in doing another this, that, or the other thing. I like sure. to do new stuff and bring new stuff to the to the marketplace, and that's what we're doing here. And I think we're going to have a have a big a- impact on both sides. Very good. I still have a few more questions for you. Um, sure. So, h- how much, if at
0: all, have, have your shareholders influence your decision making process at this point? I mean, it's still early days, but I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah,
1: it's, it's early days. But listen, you know, one of the great things about being on the public markets is you get this, this conversation, you know, with the investors. And we're in the process of really ramping that up because we like the feedback we get. Uh, from from the from the investors and a lot of our investors are actually users, right? So they're they're involved in some of these trials. They ping us with support uh, input and they give us ideas. And listen, we read all of them. And the good ideas they go right over to the tech team and they get they, they get funneled into the uh, into the list of improvements that we want to put out there. So there's there's good advice we get there. There's really really interesting advice we get from investors from their perspective. On, on on how to approach the marketplace how to look at pricing how to look at partnerships with broadcasters um, and with podcasters so so we value that I mean there's some there's some great investors in the in the microcap space is what I'm learning and they're very approachable oh, yeah. and uh, and they're they're looking for opportunities
0: you're going to see a few of them in Vegas so uh, I'm not I'm yeah not exactly. quite sure I'm not quite sure exactly what I'm putting out our this episode but just in case it's before Vegas, you know, sure. Jeff is presenting in Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so another question that I ask everybody on, on on this show and this just playing devil's advocate, obviously there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of opportunities available uh, with the app and launching it, but I have to do the other side. You know, what, what would you say
1: are some of Audi's downside risks? Yeah, well, I mean, it's exactly, it's, it's exactly what it is for the upside risk, right? So we're going to put out data on how consumers are using this. And we're going to calculate if we spend X amount on marketing dollars, we're able to drive this, this amount in recurring uh, revenue streams. Um, those numbers are going to be good or they're going to be bad. Right? So the downside is those numbers aren't good and we have a lot more work to do. And it's going to be longer till we get to any type of transitional point to, to try to drive value. I would say that's the biggest risk um, that we, that we have out there is is. Is where we are with that. The technology risk is, for the most part, you know, been dissipated uh, over the years. There's still some technology risk left in uh, the algorithm and getting better at uh, being able to identify uh, whether a piece of content that we're analyzing is is talk or a commercial. We're really good on music, so it's really di- getting that to to work better. Um, so. But you know, listen, AI has AI is new, right? Five years ago, there was zero chance you could do what we're doing. You couldn't even fit an AI model on a phone, right? So that had to happen. That's like a two-year-old event, right? That you're even able to do that without destroying the battery. So you know it's it's fast moving. So these are all those are risk factors that you can get over. You can't get over risk factor of nobody wants to use it. Nobody wants to pay for it, right? So. So that's that's the real data here. That's what everybody's waiting for. That's what we're waiting for.
0: Got it. What what does what is when you're thinking about the data, you know, if, if you're willing to answer this, what what does good look like?
1: Yeah, we we I don't think we've really dialed that in specifically, but good to me looks like, hey, we can go out and spend, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars on marketing. And that's going to turn into a recurrent revenue stream that provides an ROI that investors are going to love. That's, that's what it means to me. And our margins in this business are phenomenal. I've already talked about where we are uh, with music rights, at least on Fader. Uh, and, and the technology margin, we don't do anything in the cloud. Everything is operated on the phone. So our our cloud is a distributed cloud. It's distributed to everybody's individual phone. So we go from one user to 10 million users and our costs barely move. So those types of things, you know, that margin is hugely important in this business. It's the best margins I've seen in a business that we can scale it up. So the real question is, will people use it? And can we get those people at a reasonable price point? Got it.
0: So... I mean, that pretty much answers my next question. You know, I, I always like to ask, you know, what is the thesis if realized these are the inflection points that will lead to growth and shareholder value? But I think it really, at, at right now in the short term, it just comes down to that data readout. At, at, yeah, it comes, it
1: comes down to the data yeah. readout for Fader. It comes down to that data readout a little bit for Vodacast. Yep. On the Vodacast side, you know, there's some really interesting strategic opportunities to pursue. And uh, you know, we have a vision where, and it's a pretty clear vision. But again, it's, 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 it's dependent on results. It's dependent on consumers wanting to go into those digital feeds. It's dependent on consumers wanting to be a little bit interactive because let's face it. I mean, there's not a ton, the the market size for, for podcasting is still not huge. I mean, you're talking about a billion dollar ad market, which is good, right? But it's not, it's not gigantic. It's not like radio. It's not like, Uh, you know, a lot of these other markets that that are out there. But, you know, so you have to drive more revenue opportunities. I think that's what the industry is focused on. That's certainly what we're focused on. And if you can do that, I still think we're early enough where you can become a top, you know, a top three to five player in the space. And you can be you know, where we really want to position, we see a really unique opportunity in, in the podcasting space to be positioned as friends of the podcasters, right? Look at what Apple and Spotify have done with subscription. I mean, it's almost like, are you kidding me, right? They're going to they put up a subscription wall. You can go sign up there. You can join the subscription and you get no data as to who your subscriber is. You have no relationship with them whatsoever. We're the complete opposite, Right. We want you to know who your audience is. We want you to build a space within our app. We want we want to help you build that audience and build that revenue. So that's where we think that's where we think there's an opportunity for another big player to sit aside, sit next to those others, but be much more podcaster centric, not platform centric. Got it. All right. So, to, one more question I got to ask on this. Sure. Um,
0: if if let's say the data doesn't read out the way you're hoping, or or you, your signal, signaling will be, you know, this this is showing us that all right, validated. Let's let's rock. What's what's plan B? Like how, how do we how how do you overcome that? And also, is it is it actually even worth it on that strategy? I mean, you're still you're still relatively new, you know. Like that's a that's a big risk in, in hinging it on that. So I, it's it's just it's interesting. It's interesting.
1: Well, I mean <laughs> if we knew the results are bad, you know, we wouldn't be, maybe we wouldn't be hinging on that, right? But uh, so, you know, I can I'll, I'll say oh, that no, I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll say that for one thing, but we put out a lot of data, right? Sure. About about people wanting to gravitate to the platform. It is a matter of degrees. Um, you know, I don't think uh, you know, but we don't know what those numbers are. We can't dial it. That's why I'm giving out any revenue guidance, right? We don't know what those conversion rates are going to be. We don't know where everything is. Uh, We feel comfortable that people want to do this. You know, we've already put out some data there, but listen, I mean, if you have, if everything goes South, right. And you have nothing, I mean, then where are you as a company? And we have a lot of things that we don't talk about. You know, there's this, 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 this micropayment opportunity, for instance, and this flex revenue platform that we have. I mean, honestly, I could, I could give you a story and a pitch, on that in and of itself as an as a infrastructure provider in the Vodacast and the whole audio space and the video space, that could easily be a, a, a unicorn company. So there's, there's a lot going on in this area. We're playing in a lot of it. Our focus right now is on getting FAIR out there, getting results on that, getting Vodacast out there, getting results on that, and then building pretty significant platforms in both of those areas. But do we have other ideas? and other things that we could pursue based on those results, absolutely. And that's really our history. Very cool. All
0: right, Jeff. Well, First, thank you for answering all my questions here. I got one more for you to close us out. You know, relatively new early innings as being a public company CEO, but um, how are you liking it?
1: Well, first I'm not the CEO, right? I'm the executive. Sorry, the like, executive let, me re-ask, let me re-ask
0: that question. So so Jeff, to close us out here, um, you know, I asked this to everybody to, to, as a, to finish this up and relatively new, right? On the, on the public market side. So how is it being executive chairman of, of a
1: public microcap company? How are you enjoying it? Well, listen, I love it. I mean, I think, you know, I've been on the private side with a lot of companies and uh, this is the first time on the public side, but I can tell you, you know, all the negatives you hear about being a public com- on, the, on the public side before you get there. Uh, things you hear about, oh, there's all this excess cost, there's all this excess regulation, all this excess work. I basically see none of that. You know, it's, it, it's about transparency, it's about access to capital, which is so much better than it is on the, on the private markets. So I really like it. And I get better feedback, honestly, from the public market investors than I do uh, from the private investors that we have who are juggling, you know, 5, 10, 15 companies. So to me, it's been, a, it's been great. And I think the CEO loves it too. You know, we split the work up. He operates, you know, and he functions and make, make sure the company is executing. I do the IR stuff and tell the story and, uh, and try to get investors excited. So it's been a, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been great for us.
0: Very good. All right. Well, Jeff, with that, where can our audience go and find more information on Audi
1: You can go to our website. Uh, You know, we have three different websites, uh, one on the Fader app and one one for Vodacast. uh, And then we have one for the corporate side as well. Uh, The corporate one is going to be transitioning over from www.audiainc.com to www.audia.com. But you can type in either one and you'll be forwarded to whatever we have active. Uh, That's where our IR page is. Uh, If you want to know more about the Fader app itself, you just go right to the www.fader.com. And for Vodacast, you know, the same.
0: Very good. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And uh,
1: look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye now.